welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Hello, I'm Zachary Shahan, Clean Technica CEO, and this is part two of our two-part interview with Howard Klein of RK Equity. If you enjoy this podcast and our podcast series, please subscribe and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. You can also subscribe at future.cleantechnica.com slash subscribe for a few dollars a month to support our work. That's future.cleantechnica.com slash subscribe. It goes a long way in helping us to perform our writing and podcasting and YouTube work every month. Well, flipping from small company to big company. So we, you've talked about Nickel a little bit, but there was that famous also mention that he he met with top some CEOs of top, top nickel mining companies, and it was sort of hopeful that they were going to be doing more. What is the sort of picture, the story right now with the large mining companies with regards to nickel, these kind of big global? So I'm not an, as, as much a nickel expert as I am, you know, in lithium, but, you know, there's, there's Vale. Yeah, I think um, you have, you, know, you have the lithium the rocks, BHP. you have the lithium <laughs> rocks uh, graphic and, and uh, I think that's a shirt or a pillow. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's behind a you. Shirt. I think you yeah. really should get some nickel rocks ones too. This is I, I still I, I know you, I know you feel more comfortable in the lithium world, but I always learn a lot about nickel from you as well. So yeah, so actually, I, I got to go visit Minnesota in Tamarack uh, and, and Talon Metals project there. Now that the, we're all vaccinated, I, I got to convince them to get over there. So look, Rio Tinto is a major project owner of that Tamarack. You know, they're joint venture partner with with Talon. They own forty percent, but they that's still a exploration story. It hasn't yet moved into development, uh, and it's probably going to be a, several years before that's that goes into production. But I think that's a you know it's a it's a it's an investment of Rio Tinto. It's part of their strategy for nickel. BHP has a bigger strategy for nickel. I think I think it's is it Nickel West or again I don't. Outside of Talon Metals, which is a client of ours and and a, a principal focus of of ours, I don't know all of the companies in in nickel the way I, I know them in lithium. So I'm not, you know, IGO and in, in, in Independence Group, which entered the lithium business, is in the nickel business. Novale has a big mine and is a big player, you know, in nickel. The Sudbury region in in, in Ontario. But, but, but as a broad, I, and as a broad brush view, do you see it changing much from a year ago, or is it sort of they're still sort of waiting for? It's a it is a kind of a chicken egg situation of, yeah, we'll produce a lot more nickel when you make well, big Rod, 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 Rodney's been keeping me abreast of this, uh, you know, Chinchan um, Chinese company in Indonesia. You know, if they could produce nickel sulfate from mat economically, you know, and cleanly, then that could go a long way to, uh, you know, helping to solve the nickel, you know, sulfate supply. We haven't heard, we heard during battery day, 
from Tesla talking about things like nickel powders or somehow reducing the steps out of, you know, the, the current process to make stainless steel is not conducive to make nickel that goes into batteries. So are there first principle ways to cut out some steps and you know just make nickel powder? So, but we haven't heard a lot from him, you know, on that score in the past year. I'd encourage you, by the way, to, Talon has just a, a new person joined from Rio Tinto, you know, Todd Milan, and uh, he's, he's involved with, you know, government affairs and, and they have, I think, a, a carbon capture element, you know, to their story. So there's understanding the, you know, how to, how to ramp up supply of nickel and do it in a more clean and sustainable and, and a fewer step way is an evolving uh, dynamic in the nickel space that yeah we should you know, get him speak. we yeah. should get him and and CEO of Valet on the podcast no, just, <laughs> no. Todd, Todd that would be get, cool Todd, Todd you can get the, the CEO of Valet I don't know <laughs> yeah no that we, we we I'm sure we could get a lot more insight into the market obviously through a talent filter talking to him so we should do that in a podcast soon but yeah that's and is there any are there any notable updates or anything interesting happening in cobalt or any other minerals that you, you know, track, but not as closely? I would say I don't track cobalt as closely, but graphite, I have spent a reasonable amount of time in the past year. A client of ours, Nouveau Monde, uh, graphite is in Quebec and, you know, they just listed in, in the U.S. They're the only you know, pure play you know like piedmont and lithium americas you know they're fully listed you know in the u.s but the whole what what i don't understand as i'm understanding the graphite market is natural versus synthetic right in in the lithium world you have uh, if i could talk just a second about direct lithium extraction stories which we talked about last year you know i think on standard lithium and, and e3 metals the concept that, you know, getting lithium in a different way, you know, instead of from rocks or instead of from solar brines in, in Argentina or Chile, you know, is there a better, more sustainable way? And the narrative that DLE, even though there's no lithium really produced in, in a pure DLE manner yet, there's a lot of promise. A lot of those stocks have performed very well because it's perceived to be a cleaner route. In graphite's case, the concept of synthetic graphite, synthetic graphite is artificial graphite. Artificial graphite, you know, it's made from, you know, a fossil fuel derivative, needle coke. So today, I think Tesla gets almost all of their graphite, you know, from a fossil fuel derived graphite, but not natural graphite. So the Nouveau Monde story is hydro-powered Quebec you know, natural flake graphite, you know, that the, they're talking about net zero, you know, graphite. So that the concept of clean graphite, natural, clean graphite, you think about, you know, no artificial flavors versus organic food, right? You know, the, the, the graphite market is artificial, synthetic, fossil fuel derived, and, needle coke and let's just say needle coke is a very bad like whoever just doesn't this sound is, good this is bad marketing <laughs> whatever it is i don't know what needle coke is but i know it's bad 
very bad. No, it's an interesting point that I don't think I've ever seen covered in any 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 coverage of you know oh our about batteries and and minerals and all that stuff except perhaps in some you know mining publications but i don't see this covered in in the tech publications the big mainstream media publications ours so we need to get on that uh, i think we've talked about very briefly but we need to get on that as well i i think this is a really we interviewed on our own podcast, Arn Fransden, who is the managing partner of Palinghurst, which is the major PE investor that invested in Talon, but also is the major investor in Nouveau Monde. And he simplified it for me. He basically, there's all this focus on the cathode, right? So we talk constantly about lithium, nickel, cobalt, you know, iron, phosphate, whatever. And everyone knows that you could switch out some of those elements except for lithium. Lithium is the irreplaceable element in the cathode. But in the anode, 100% of the anodes have graphite in them today. There's a lot of talk and, and it's a, it gets confusing because the, the a headwind to the graphite story overall, whether it be natural or synthetic, is you have this holy grail of it might be displaced somewhere down the road if quantum scape or sol- other solid state technologies you know take over or if you know silicon will displace it but if you if you read benchmark minerals and and others if you look at the demand for graphite you know in terms of quantum uh, uh, multiples of product needed over the next 10 to 15 years it's as much as as it is for lithium, right? So if you look at the IEA forecast, it's like, look at all the batteries that are needed for the electric vehicle future. It's kind of like lithium number one, graphite number two. And then within graphite, there's synthetic and then there's natural. And people are not digging into that distinction that the vast majority of, of you know, EVs are currently using dirty graphite, right? It's like a, the dirty little secret of, you know, Tesla and everybody else, you know, is why aren't they using natural graphite? And yeah, it's fun, funny too. We, there was leading up to battery day, there was a graphic that's, uh, that Tesla had out sort of um, these black kind of, yeah, like parts of a battery or whatever. And, and then there were other clues people picked up on. There was a, a silicon, uh, silicon anode company startup that located itself like right in between like five tesla buildings in free right. in, in fremont and so so some top tesla fans sort of thought okay this is going to be a big part of battery day and we sort of ignored it and finally you know they pulled so much together like okay let's write about it we wrote and we figured you know these are counts that elon tends to see so i thought oh well, if, if it wasn't true he would have responded by now so we wrote this article about it and elon responded I forget if this was, I think he responded privately first that this was not, or maybe it was public. I don't know, but, but this was not, none of this was true, (laughs) that there was nothing about Silicon and that this, he, he wasn't, I think he wasn't even aware of that startup popping up right there between them, but he, but he did point out in a discussion, again, I don't remember if this was public or private, but he sort of that they had, that they had looked into silicon a lot and, and there had been stories about tesla looking into silicon years ago so there was that out there and he said there's just there's some challenges with silicon that it's very hard to get over with it cracking and whatnot so or, or expanding and, and then cracking i think it was 
I'm that's probably right, messing that's, up some that's, details, that, but that, no, that, that's right. And they haven't overcome those. And again, yeah. and his I point encourage... was like, like, yeah, it's, it looks exciting, and but we just haven't. So yeah, no, <laughs> it would be, it would be great because Silicon is abundant and it's cheap, but they haven't cracked that code. And again, for the foreseeable future, you can't make an anode without graphite. You can't make an electric car without a graphite anode. And right now, the vast majority, if not all, the vast majority are coming from artificial graphite. And 100% of this is processed in China, right? So there's a supply chain and a sustainability you know, issue that, again, when we interviewed on Friends, and he basically said, you know, graphite is like lithium was three, four years ago. There was just like a lack of understanding you know, in the market about it. And as people come to dig deeper and understand it, you're gonna see a similar you know, psychological and, and market understanding for you know, their thesis, which is Canada, right? You know, a, a very large vertically integrated mine and conversion plant that is scalable and is sustainable and is economic and is a reliable, you know, I, I, I have all these S's, right? Secure, sustainable, strategic supply chain and scarce, right? Those, those five, and, and I keep using those five to describe the Piedmonts of the world, the Talons of the world, you know, the Nouveau-Mont graphites of the world and a number of other, you know, projects that are, are here in, in the US. The US is very lithium rich, right? Compared to lithium is abundant. And I've, I've talked about, I see this hard rock kind of lithium triangle from Carolina to Quebec to Ontario. I've also talked about, you know, a, a Western USA DLE lithium triangle. You know, you have E3 in Alberta, you now have this compass minerals in Utah, you have the Salton Sea in California. So there are you know, there are clay opportunities, sedimentary opportunities, you know, outside of that, you know, in, in Nevada and, and Arizona and, and Oregon. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's exciting times. Like America has great potential. Just so going back to kind of like Redwood, Rivian, Ford, they're making major investments. If we make these major investments in mining and chemical processing in the U.S., it, I think, could absorb, it'll create a lot of you know, good jobs. It'll create, you know, they'll be secure, sustainable again, and strategic, but they also could soak up some of the job losses that are likely to happen, you know, with some of the legacy automakers. Yeah, that's all f fascinating stuff. This episode of Clean Tech Talk is sponsored by Flow, the maker of the Flow Home X5. The Flow Home X5 is an industry-leading home EV charging solution that features a stylish and durable aluminum casing and allows you to schedule, monitor, and optimize your charging via the Flow mobile app. Flow offers 24-7 customer support to help with installation and troubleshooting. To learn more about the Flow Home, please visit store.flow.com. That's store.flo.com. Yeah, I was also going to bring up, I don't know... Uh, we've, we've talked about it enough, maybe, but well, you know, I think initially Elon said he was planning to have battery day once a year. So, so aside from other timelines, we're not getting much updates on what's happening. And I don't think there's any battery day coming up. So, so I think that, that, that plan has sort of changed. And I, and I think there's just kind of, uh, you know, having followed it for a little closely for a little more than a year, which is nothing compared to you. 
it just seems like it just takes a long time for things to happen. <laughs> and, and this was what you emphasized early on. It's like, it takes a long time to get minds up and running, to get new projects going. There's a lot of different feasibilities, you know, study, technical study uh, stages. So I think it's, I don't know, it seems like there's a lot that's happened that you said would happen, but there's also just still so much of that, that potential is just sitting there and you're like, just jump on it. Like, do you know, let's see some big announcements. Let's see something big from, you know, policy wise or something to, to take advantage of this, to push the market forward. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit impatient and, and irrit- irritated. You know, there's a lot of excitement a year ago and now it just seems like you're waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, I'm surprised we haven't seen more deals done like, Tesla did, you know, from a VW or GM and and the things that you have seen have been very small, but I also, this is a very fast moving market. And when you're talking about like legacy auto companies, they don't tend to move like at lightning speed, you know, typical cycle for a car is or development cycles, five, six, seven years. And, and government policy doesn't happen immediately. So things are debated or democracy and, you know, jigger shy, I do think money is being allocated. I mean, these stimulated, we also had COVID, but it, it, the infrastructure bill that was just passed combined with existing money that was there, you know, from the department of energy, you know, the, the same money that funded Tesla and funded Solyndra, right. Are, are, is going to be deployed. So jigger shy, is head of the loan projects office at the Department of Energy, and you still see, you know, Jennifer Granholm, you know, hair on fire, constantly, you know, talking about this. So he's only been there, you know, since March, right? And they didn't lend much under Trump. So he's, I expect to see a lot of loans coming out of the loan project office uh, next year. The DOE has made some small grants to a whole bunch of, you know, different technologies. Deploy, deploy, deploy is uh, Jennifer Grano's mantra. I'm surprised as much as, you know, the next stimulus that's being debated, you know, I don't think that union subsidy on the EVs, you know, extra 4,500 is going to survive, but you're still going to get 7,500 most likely. Like of all the things that they're cutting, you know, they may not, you, you may not get, I don't remember what they're they're cutting certain of the social things, but they're pushing hard to kind of push the EV agenda. And I think they raised the the threshold from $75,000 to $80,000, you know, on, on the price. So we'll, we'll see where that ultimately the, lands. But, the, but the, 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 that, that, UA, that, that union it always seemed like a you, shiny bubble that was just going to get popped by the end of the process. It got created so much controversy, which was, I just was like, wanted to pull my hair out because you could just see, okay, it's a nice shiny bubble. that's probably going to get popped. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> or, or just, move, or, or well, like it's not anyway, but, but yeah, I don't see it surviving. And, and the infrastructure, I, bill, I, I, I mean, it's been, it's been like, oh, it's eight, 10 months. It's taken so long to get it. It hasn't actually, it's been like five years. We, they've been talking about infrastructure. That's bill for true. Five, 100%, five years. 100%. It is so. a big victory. It's a big victory that finally, you know, we did get a bipartisan infrastructure bill that could have passed in August when it was in the Senate, right? It was held up in the house and all, you know, the politics that held up the infrastructure bill is the worst of American democracy, in my opinion. But in the end, they passed it and we'll see what the subsequent bill 
is, but I, I just want to leave if it on, goes through. Uh, Let's hope it goes through. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, there's been a lot of demand. Some version of it will go through. Some version will, will likely go through. I think I've just been surprised at how committed, you know, the administration is to pushing the EV agenda by, you know, making sure that these subsidies are, are in there. What, what's, and I mean, just, just to close on that, I mean, so one of the biggest barriers to getting the whole thing passed has been Joe Manchin because of some of his, you know, his differences in policy preferences. But I thought it was very uplifting that he highlighted that you, that union component because it says that he looked at it, that he's cool with the rest of it. He just wants to toss out the union part of it. So I think that's a very... I think it's evident to see he's focused on this bill now and that he's up for the, the, the core of it. Look, I, I like Joe Manchin. I liked him when he was on. I've watched him for years because he was he and Murkowski, Senator Murkowski, are on the was it the energy the energy committee. And when the Republicans were in the Senate, you know, Murkowski was in the lead and Manchin was the number two, and now like he's taken over. So I've watched that committee has been among the more bipartisan, he and Murkowski, like that, I like Manchin, right? I think I'm a moderate, you know, in, in my own views, I think he's a reasonable person. And I think he's, he's an adult, you know, in the room of this overall discussion. And I know there are, you know, your politics may be different and there are others who are, I saw a headline yesterday. <laughs> I was just uh, on my, my screen. It said, Cole Senator, right, is against, you know, this union thing, right? I said, Cole Senator. <laughs> that's, that's, you yeah, know. Headlines are <laughs> wacky sometimes. <laughs> I mean, he obviously has done whatever to protect the, you know, he's, he's, he's extremely wealthy from coal, a coal business he founded that his son is now CEO of. But so, I mean, that's just like, that, that's the reality. You've got a, a coal uh, magnate. You, 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 you've got you, a coal you, magnate who's the 50th Democrat. So you're going to have to deal with that. But I, I just, I think it's very, I, I agree with you on the, the bipartisan nature of that committee, that they're sort of, they're quite practical, practical about just finding what they can get done together and getting it done, even if it's not what everybody wants. They sort of, they move forward. So that is, and I, I just, I, I found it very, very heartening that he's looking at this. He's he's looking at the details of it. He's saying, okay, let's kick out the union part, but keep the rest. It's a strong sign that the the overall bill will move forward, I think, and that that part of it will move forward. So that's that's good. I but, I, I agree. The two things that I well, I'll just leave with, and I hope we see more of is. The infrastructure bill is very demand driven, you know, to some degree, the subsidies are there, you know, the price of the cars are going to go up if the cost of the batteries are going to go are going up and if the cost of the batteries are going up because lithium prices are going up, right, to some degree, EV subsidies are are paying for a shortage of, you know, lithium, you know, and, and nickel, I, I, I'd like to see supply side stimulus, you know, on the mining side to like make that cheaper, right. So, I'd like to see more of that. You still have this cognitive dissonance between, you know, the EV enthusiasts, and then you can't, you know, put a shovel in the ground, you know, somewhere in America in the nimbyism of it, it, that, that it's a big, it's a big dichotomy. It's a big problem. And I hope, and, and Manchin from a coal state, I mean, I think he gets that, you know, I think he's generally pro-mining and so is, you know, Murkowski and the like. So I just, I hope we're going to see more 
positive sentiment toward that coming from other elements of the administration. So it's not vilified because it's recognized from a security point of view, from a sustainability point of view, from a strategic point of view. And then lastly, in some recent presentations that I've had, if you, if you take Ford and SK's two plants, right, that, that's going to equate to 129 gigawatt hours or something like that. You know, it equates to, and it's mostly going to be high nickel chemistry. So when I think about lithium, that's going to require 100 to 125,000 tons of lithium hydroxide, that one plant, right? And if you talk about Austin, you know, the demands are huge. But if you just, just doing this calculus, let's say Ford and SK require 100,000 tons of lithium hydroxide. If they're paying $20,000 a ton today, and that's, that's above the, what we think is the incentive price, but if they pay $20,000 a ton, you know, that's $2 billion a year. Over 20 years, that's $40 billion that they're spending just to buy lithium. If they were to buy a mine or multiple mines that could supply them with that 100,000 tons of lithium, just like Ford bought rubber plantations and iron mines in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, they would be manufacturing it for themselves at, let's say, $5,000 or $7,500 a ton. Okay, So they'd be saving $25 billion over 20 years. Okay, so if you're going to save 25 billion over 20, 20 years, how much could you pay today to get into the bit for a mine to get into the business? So if you look at a company like Piedmont, or if you look at you know a mine in in Quebec or in Nevada or elsewhere, and their plan is to produce 25,000 tons, okay. If Ford would if Ford can buy that company for two and a half or three billion dollars, own the mine, then invest a billion dollars to build the mine. So if they buy it for two and a half billion, invest a billion, it costs them three and a half billion, but then they're saving twenty-five billion dollars over twenty years, as opposed to buying the lithium over those twenty years. And if the cost of lithium is thirty thousand dollars, right, they could pay even more. So that's why I keep coming back to the, the lithium stocks have risen quite a bit over the past year as lithium prices have increased. But you haven't seen, you know, just like you saw Zijin, a Chinese company, come and buy neolithium for $770 million. I think in 2022, you might see a battery company or an auto company do the calculus that I just shared with you and said, I need to secure the supply. I, I'm buying. I'm paying up. I don't want to get into the mining business, really, but I have to because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to make these batteries, and our whole business plan is, you know, is out the window. You know, or or else, I'm paying too much for the lithium, and then my battery costs are too high, and then we're not competitive. So I think you might. I think there's a decent chance you're going to start seeing large checks written possibly by battery, possibly by auto, almost certainly by big mining, you know, the, the BHP is possibly by big oil, but the, the values uh, of, of these assets are, are still very attractive. They're, they're going to be seen, you know, when they were at 50 million market cap two years ago, 
it was they were greatly undervalued. But even at a yeah. billion dollars, if, Quant- if QuantumScape's twenty billion dollars, you know, if yeah. Fisker is five or six billion dollars, these mining companies uh, are as or more valuable, in my opinion. Yeah, I really like the way you're thinking, uh, especially with Ford and everything. You know, I, I hope that's where it's going. I I would say just a great ending there, and I was just. When I was talking about being a little impatient, I, it was with that deep supply side thing on on the policies, which I I, I think it makes sense that would come a little later. Does take some time, and that, and it's going to be pushed out after these kind of big success stories. So I think we will see that in next before we talk again, hopefully some better policies, and then for the deep supply issues, and then like you said, these big movements in the industry exactly what you just said i i you know i'm getting impatient for them but i i feel hopeful like you said that 2022 will be big for this stuff so i think it's exciting inspiring uh thank you so much for the update howard i look forward to talking again but we need to follow up with some of the ideas you brought out of this too so thank you thank you very much zach thanks for having me and if i could just say one thing you're a young guy you're very much focused on the ev theme and you have a platform through Clean Technica as an influencer in the space, you can be a pioneer in evangelizing, like mining is cool, mining is essential, yeah. mining is sustainable, mining is, you know, and- Yeah, we should, we should and, get and, some and, graphics and all, done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all, all of your generation and everyone who's evangelizing EVs need to similarly be and understand that we need mining and chemical processing in the United States instead of like fighting it everywhere, embracing it. Yeah, I agree. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. Have a good day up there and uh, we'll (laughs) follow up on the, probably the graphite, the nickel. I don't know. We have a lot lot to follow up on, but thank you. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you. Have a good weekend. You too. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,